Aloha everyone. Welcome to Sasha Spins where you get my thoughts on life, current events, and everything else in between, in and out of the saddle. So let's get right on into it. Hello, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in your day. I hope you are doing well. I hope you are doing amazing. Welcome to Sasha Spins. What are we talking about today? We are talking about the situation that occurred on March 11th with Sharon Osborne, Cheryl Underwood on their show, The Talk. So as of this recording, it has been six days since that event happened. Well, if you're listening on Tuesday, March 16th, if you're listening to this episode when it drops, it'll be six days. And the show is in hiatus because of the situation that happened between Sharon Osborne and Cheryl Underwood. So I really don't watch the talk, but this is blown up. So you've probably heard about it. If you haven't heard about it, basically, Harry, wow, I just almost called her him Harry Markle. <laughs> so Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. I don't know if that they meant that to rhyme, but I freaking love it. Anyways, they did an interview with Oprah and there were some bombshell revelations that occurred and it was just, it was very sad. They're no longer living in the UK. They're here in America. Well, here, that's where I'm based. I don't know where you're based. But anyways, they revealed some things to Oprah and Piers Morgan who has just spent the past several years attacking Meghan Markle, flipped his shit and just went off on another tirade on his own talk show. Things got so heated. His own co-workers were calling him out and he just walked off stage and y'all, he quit his job in a very Chad way. Like, you know, <laughs> when he walked across that stage, I know he wanted to throw a chair or punch a hole in the wall or something. It was a very, it was a very Chaddington way of quitting your job. All because somebody calls you out for attacking a girl, for attacking a grown woman for years just because she ghosted you after a date. Like, come on, bro. You're, go, go to therapy for that. Your ego is bruised, man. Go to therapy. But anyways, he is friends with Sharon Osborne. And Sharon Osborne defended him. And very long story short, Cheryl Underwood on their show, The Talk, called her out for supporting him. And it wasn't necessarily a call out. It was just asking Sharon Osborne to explain how she was still supportive of this man when he's been on TV for years, being very misogynistic, being very racist to another woman. She tweeted after Piers Morgan walked off his show like a Chad, she tweeted, Sharon Osborne tweeted in support and defense of her friend saying he wasn't a racist. So Cheryl Underwood was like, well, how are you supporting of him when he's done all these things? So... And this is where we get into the meat of it. Basically, Sharon had a freaking meltdown and in true Karen fashion was like, I'm the furthest person from a racist. I'm 68 years old. I've never experienced or I've never been a racist in my life. How could you call me that? I'm far from the racist. I'm the least person racist. I'm the least racist person in the world. And that right there is a white flag to me whenever anybody says that because I'm like, how do you know this? How do you know that you are the least racist person in the world? And then because we are all 
raised, even though she is from the UK, they have their own insidious history of colonization and racism. So they are a product. They are raised in a society that is very racist, very anti-Black and built on, literally built on the backs of Black people, Black Africans, their labor, their exploitation, that white supremacy is within the DNA, the fabric of every single institution in that country. So she means to tell me that she was raised within this society and she doesn't have any implicit biases and she's never experienced or she's never been, well, she can't experience racism. Let's get that clear. So I'm not going to say she's never experienced racism. What I am going to say is that she doesn't have her own implicit biases or maybe has been racist in her life. I don't believe it. I don't buy it and I don't accept it. And these are the blinders that I'm talking about and that we're going to be talking about today that makes it so frustrating for black people and BIPOC to talk to white people about racism. So there are three points that I want to touch on about things that occurred in the interview. And I want to choose my words carefully because black people are not a monolith. So a black person may have watched that that exchange and not been frustrated or triggered by it. But I watched it and I was very frustrated. I was very triggered. It was very annoying to me. And it was very annoying to me, A, based on my own personal experiences, but B, because this is how, this is the one of the examples in which black people can easily point to and be like, this is why I don't talk to white people about racism or I don't seek to educate that about racism because there are people who are committed to moving the goalpost and misunderstanding what the fuck I'm saying. And to those black people, I 110% agree. And it has made me a lot more mindful of the people I am willing to give my time and energy to as a means of quote education because we are all grown. Google is our friend and the library is free. So there are resources out there for us to educate ourselves. But there are some people who don't seek to educate themselves because they don't care about this. And they don't care about it because it doesn't impact them or they they don't believe that it exists. So... What are we talking about in this podcast today? (laughs) We are talking about white privilege to abuse one of your coworkers, weaponizing white women's tears. And just like I said, it is futile. And a lot of black people feel frustrated when trying to, quote, educate and teach white people about racism. So those are the three things that like immediately came to mind when I saw that exchange for several different reasons because like I said it's been a part of my experience. So, when it comes to when the first one I want to touch on is white privilege to abuse your coworker without repercussion. So like I said, this event happened on March 11th. It has been 6 days since it happened and it's being reported as of yesterday that the show is on hiatus. Pending an investigation. What is there to investigate? We all saw this white woman attack her coworker, cuss at her coworker, 
scream at her and debase her and disrespect her on national television. What is there to investigate? If I did this to one of my coworkers on a Tuesday, on Wednesday, I would not have a job. They'd be like, go ahead and clock out for me, baby, and don't come back. Like, (laughs) I would not have a job. I would not have a job. I would not have, Cheryl, if the shoe was on the other foot, Cheryl would not have a job. Cheryl would have been fired. And this is what happens in so many spaces where white people abuse their coworkers, disrespect them, debase them, discriminate them, treat them unfairly, and they are able to get away with that because of their white privilege. Because the language of many corporate environments is very passive aggressive, they are able to do things and treat you in certain ways and get away with it. But this wasn't even a passive aggressive situation. Sharon started off very passive aggressive, but you could see the transformation as she got more frustrated, as she got more angry. She forgot herself a little bit. She she forgot to put on that mask and cloak of passive aggressiveness. She threw that drone off like the invisibility cloak, okay? She was like, nah, I'm tired of this. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. Like she was ready to just be straight up aggressive and be like, you tell me what is racist and don't even cry. Oh, child, we're going to talk about that next. We are going to talk about that. Don't even cry. And if anyone's the victim, it's me. Girl, sis, not even sis, girl, Sharon, you have defended, you defended someone of your own volition and they were asking you to explain your defense of your friend. And then she was like, well, just because he's a racist, does that mean I'm a racist? And that was a dog whistle. Because Cheryl never called her a racist. That's a thing. See, hit dogs will always holler. Hit dogs will always holler. Sharon knew what she was doing. Sharon knew fully well that his behavior was racist. Piers Morgan, his words, how he's treated Megan is very misogynistic and very racist. Sharon knows that. Sharon knows that. And that's why she was triggered. She was triggered by Cheryl asking her to explain her behavior. And then she also has probably existed throughout her life doing whatever the hell she wants, talking to people however she wants, and not being held accountable, held to task for her behavior. So for her, it probably felt like, how dare this black woman question me and my actions and defending my friends? Who the hell does she think she is? And that's the Karen that jumped out of Sharon Osbourne. So now they're pending. There's an investigation happening. Sharon has apologized. That, that woman ain't sorry. She just knew. She realized very quickly because the night the night that she did it, she put up this very passive aggressive post on Instagram. It was like, oh, something happened in there. So, you know, some, you know how a lot of Karens be. They'd be real passive aggressive. So she put up this post that was extremely passive aggressive and was like, oh, it's a Wednesday or like what, what happened? It's just another day that ends in day. But then on Thursday, when people were stepping and coming for her neck, they were coming for the jugular and she realized she had more detractors than defenders. She was like, oh, crap. And then she issued one of those apologies that, you know, they always do to save their skins, to make it look like they care. Sharon Osbourne doesn't care. She just doesn't. She doesn't care at all. 
And the fact, what it showed to me that she, the way she was comfortable talking to her friend like that on national TV. I don't know about y'all, but I don't cuss at my friends. I, I don't. Um, and it may be, I don't even think I cuss at them in a joking way. Like th- this whole thing about how women call their friends the B word and stuff. I don't call my friends that. I don't like people, excuse me. I don't let people call me that. I think that's weird. I've always thought that's weird. But um, anyways, yeah, I don't cuss. I, I, I don't cuss at my friends like that. I don't talk to my friends like that. I don't talk to people like that, period. I don't talk to my coworker. So even if Cheryl was a friend, fine. That is not a professional environment for her to be speaking to her, like to, for Sharon to be speaking to Cheryl like that. These S names are about to mess me up. (laughs) But anyways, that was not professional for her. And the way she felt comfortable screaming, screaming at Cheryl as if Cheryl is the scum underneath her feet and just, she's better than her. Ooh, that made me really mad. So First and foremost, it is absolutely a show of white privilege for you to be able to disrespect and debase your coworker on national television or in any environment and still be able to keep your job. But because we can't do what they do, and my dad always taught me that growing up, Sasha, you can't do what they do. And I have a story, because I got a story for everything. Let me talk about this real quick. I had a coworker. Her name is Donna. Her name was Donna. I'm going to call it out. I'm not even going to, I'm just going to call it out. I had a coworker, Donna, and Donna was an older white woman, probably close to share, uh, to Sharon's age. Like very, she was an older white woman and she consistently fucked up. This woman could never get anything right. And I was constantly saving her ass time and time again. And some days I would honestly, because our team lead trusted me to do things more than her even though she had seniority over me, he would leave me in charge because he was like, Sasha's going to get it done. And so one day I had an assignment to do. He was gone. I was leaving early that day. So I did all of the busy work, but there was a specific time we had to put in the work and I was going to be gone by that time. So I asked Donna, I said, Donna, everything is done. You legitimately just have to put it in. So you just submit it the way it is. Don't touch anything. Don't do anything. Just submit it in the system. And wouldn't you know, not only did Donna not submit it on time, (laughs) she went in, fucked with a couple of things and then submitted it. And when the front office got it, they looked it over and they were like, what the hell is this? She submitted it, made all those changes, but she never updated the document to say that she made those changes. So when it went up, my name was still on the document as a final signer. And I walked into the office the next day to a nice, nasty email like, Sasha, what the hell is this? And I overlooked it. And I was like, nah, this ain't my work. I looked at the timestamp and the date stamp because you can check who made last edits. And it had Donna's name on it. So me being me, I did not want to put her on blast. I wanted to handle it as a team first before escalating the situation. So our team lead had not come in yet. But to give Donna the benefit of the doubt, I went to her and I said, Donna, were my instructions not clear? Because I emailed them to her as well. And the same, and we all got all black people. We know how to code switch. 
code switching is in our DNA. So when I talked to her, I wasn't talking like I am now. Like, this is me. This is Sasha. The Sasha you get on the podcast, the Sasha you get on my Instagram, that's Sasha. The Sasha you get on the TikTok, that's me. But when I'm in the office, black people, a lot of black people don't have the luxury of showing up to the office as themselves. So I was very mindful of the way I spoke to her as I'm mindful with the way I speak to everyone else. So it wasn't my words. It was my tone. And I knew, I knew that I had to speak, communicate to this woman in a certain way. So I simply went to her like, hey, Donna, I saw that you made a couple of edits to the document and you didn't denote that you made those edits. And when you sent them up, you sent them up a little bit late and you didn't say that you made edits. Y'all, this white woman, she was like, no, Sasha, I didn't do that. And I thought that you wanted me, me, wanted me to make the edits. This girl, this woman straight up lied, lied to my face. And I knew she was lying because then I showed her, I was like, Donna, this is where you made the edits. It says your name. It says that you were the last one to edit these documents. And then she was all flustered like, oh, well, I don't know how that could have happened. Maybe I just added a period, but your girl's smart, right? Your girl, I'm smart. Okay. I track changes everything. So I literally was like, Donna, this is where you made the changes. Like girl, 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 don't lie. Don't lie to my face. So I got a little, I know myself. And when I start to get frustrated, I need to walk away. So as she was lying in my face, I was like, all right, Donna, we'll just wait till Ben gets back to talk about it. We'll just wait till Ben gets back. And I get, Ben was our supervisor, by the way. So I guess she started to feel like, oh shit, I'm going to get in trouble. So what did she do? What did this white woman do? Instead of her to take accountability for her behavior and what she did wrong, she went to, she called up our contract manager and she said that I screamed at her in front of everyone and when she called him she was crying she was crying she weaponized her tears her white woman's tears against me she was crying y'all and our immediately our contract manager he comes to the office right and he's like Sasha can I talk to you and I was like oh I had a feeling it was going to be about the situation. And he like pulled me into this room and he was like, I just got off the phone with Donna. And apparently there was a situation this morning. She said you yelled at her and that you made her cry. And I was like, excuse me, I yelled at who? For, and he was like, I just want us to be mindful of our language because we can't speak to other people like that. And we should not speak to our coworkers in an aggressive fashion. And how you spoke to her was aggressive. I said, what? Me? Okay, first of all, never in my life, and this is straight up what I told him. I was like, never in my life have I ever been called aggressive by anyone. And you calling me that as a black woman, I am a black woman, and that is racially coded and discriminatory language. You weren't there. You didn't ask me what happened before you came in here and accused me of making this woman cry. You didn't ask the background. You didn't ask what happened. You didn't ask me my side of the situation. You took her word for it and you came in here and you, and you called me aggressive because this woman went to you crying, but you don't know what happened. And I don't appreciate being called aggressive. And y'all, I've never seen someone's face get so red. So <laughs> he was so taken aback. He was like, 
uh, well, I, I didn't mean to be racist. And I was like, I didn't call you that. I just, I'm telling you that you calling me aggressive is not fair to me and it is discriminatory. So let me tell you what actually happened. And then I told him the situation and then his face was looking all stuck on stupid. And he was like, oh, well, Donna didn't tell me that. And I'm like, of course she didn't tell you that. Why would she tell you that? Why would she take any accountability for the situation when it's a lot easier to blame me? And that's the next thing I want to roll to, these weaponizing of white women's tears. Because in Sharon's rant, you could hear Cheryl's voice. I heard her voice crack a little bit. And that's how my voice cracks in A, I'm about to cry, or B, when I feel like I'm ready to pop off and I need to remove myself from the situation. And I guess Sharon heard it too, because she screamed at her, and don't you cry. If anyone who should be crying, it's me. If anyone's at the victim, it's me. And I'm like, excuse me? You are screaming at your coworker. You are cussing at your coworker on national television because she had, I guess, the audacity in Sharon's mind. Cheryl had the audacity to ask her to explain herself or had the audacity to want to hold her accountable for defending someone that is racist, that is misogynistic, that so happens to be her friend. And you know what? Let me backtrack real quick. Show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. This is why we need to be very selective of the people that we keep in our circle and call our friends because our friends are absolutely 100% reflective of us. So if Sharon is able to be friends with the man who has proved himself on many occasions to be misogynistic, to be prejudiced, to be biased, to be racist, to be discriminatory, and she's cool with this and she defended his actions, what does that say about Sharon Osbourne? So be very mindful of that. Again, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. So after you go, after you like listen to this, you might want to take stock of your friends a little bit and be like, who are the people that I'm keeping around me? Who are the people that are reflective of me? Because girl, bruh, it may be time to clean out that friendship circle. But anyways, I digress. So how many times have we seen white women weaponize their tears? It never occurred to me in that situation that I had with my coworker, Donna, it never occurred to me to cry to cuss at her, to scream at her because I can't do what they do. I don't have that luxury, but there is a very market history of white women weaponizing their tears and using it to harm black people and BIPOC. We saw it with Emmett Till. We saw it and not even with Emmett Till, just as recently as that freaking Central Park Karen that called the police on that man when she was the one in the wrong, made it a whole entire point to tell the police that she was a white woman and it was a black man. I'm sorry, she didn't say that she was a white woman, but she made it a point to say that this was a black man and she felt threatened by him and you could hear her voice breaking and starting to cry. Same with that barbecue Karen who called the cops on people who were just trying to get their grill on. Again, she starts crying on the phone saying she's threatened. How are you threatened by a situation that you escalated? Not, not only that you engaged a situation that you created by people you engaged who were minding their business and then you feel threatened. That is the language of a care. I, I swear there's a book and we don't know about this. Us BIPOC, we don't know about this, but there's a book out there. And these Karens just sit there around and they pass all of this on to their Karens as they're coming up. Like... <laughs> Because the way they all react the same way, it's not coincidence. The way a lot of white women weaponize their tears in in situations where they are in the wrong and they try to use their tears to make you feel bad, 
to get you in trouble, to stop the situation, to get out of a situation. And women of color, we don't have that luxury. I can't remember that. It, it's never occurred. In all honesty, I'm an emotional person. I cry for whatever. I'm just a crier. It has never occurred to me in my years on this earth, however, to cry my way out of a situation. That And, and then even if I did, as a black woman, my tears and my anguish don't have as much social currency or social value or sway as that of a white woman. So that's why my coworker, freaking Donna, she was able to use her tears to try and get out of a situation that she created. If she had just followed my email in the first place, because ain't nobody asked her to add all that extra. If she had just followed the instructions, she wouldn't have been there. Did she ever get reprimanded? No. No. But I'm, this is exactly what I'm talking about. So Cheryl, it's like Cheryl was sitting there trying to explain the situation and I could see the frustration on her face, but then on seeing the frustration on top of her face, she also had to keep her composure because then if Cheryl had reacted as many of us wanted to, as any human being would have reacted to that, it too in that situation being screamed at by your coworker, we can't react because again, like my dad said, we can't do what they do. Sharon had the comfort of popping off on national television that Cheryl didn't have. But Cheryl also doesn't have the comfort of being able to react without being viewed as an angry, threatening, or aggressive black woman. So her tears would have meant nothing. But Sharon was like, oh, don't you dare cry. Because she's like, the master's tools will never dismantle or destroy the master's house. So Cheryl knew. She was like, uh-uh, girl. Or sorry, Sharon was like, uh-uh, sis, this is our thing. This white woman, we own these tears. We own the tears in uncomfortable situations. That's our thing. Don't you dare. Don't you try it. Don't you try to use my tools against me because I know the game. I know what's up. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. And at the end of the day, this brings me to my last point, why a lot of black people feel like it's futile to teach white people about racism. Because for many racism, for many white people, they act like they are stuck on stupid in the sense that they are not able to understand that racism is an umbrella of things. So in their minds, They had this very limited view of racism. In a lot of white people's minds, racism has to be the big things. Someone being called the N-word. Someone walking down the street in a KKK robe. Someone lynching another person. All of these big things in a lot of white people's minds, the, 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 the things that they can undeniably touch and see and view and put a name on it, racism. That's the racism a lot of white people are comfortable with. So when Cheryl is sitting there trying to explain to Sharon the words, how Piers's words and behavior are misogynistic, are racist, Sharon is not able to understand that because in her brain, as she is a reflection of many white people. She's like, show me where he called her the N-word. She didn't say that, but in her brain, her very limited view, the way she reacted and the way she kept on like asking, 
asking Cheryl for concrete examples lets me know that in her brain, she has a very narrow definition of racism. And if it didn't, if what Piers has said and done, if it doesn't fit her definition, her very narrow definition of racism, then it's not racist. A lot of white people... Many refuse to understand privilege and microaggressions and discrimination and implicit bias, all of these things that fall under that umbrella of racism. They, they refuse to understand it. They move the goalpost and they're always looking for opportunities to question and invalidate someone's experience. So when, and that's also why, in my opinion, Sharon was asking for these examples, not because she wanted to learn, but to when Cheryl gave them, she was asking for specifics to then invalidate what Meghan Markle experienced and the weight behind Piers Morgan's words. Because it has been my experience that when a lot of people are asking for specific examples, they are not asking for examples to understand. They are asking for examples to invalidate and to punch holes in your, um, to, into what you're explaining and their education. So with that in mind, as someone who has these conversations about diversity, equity, inclusion, and representation, and racism. As a speaker in this field, as someone who educates, I am very able to go into these situations and pick up on the nuances. See, people are not as, people are more transparent than they think. And because I am someone who has, I am going to toot my own horn here, I am someone who has discernment. So I'm able to read between the lines of certain situations and pick up what people don't know they're putting down. There's nuance in everything. You just got to find it. You just got to see it and you got to listen, be able to listen to hear it. So a lot of people what share, what we're do, who do what Sharon does, they're not asking to learn because I can genuinely understand people who are asking to learn. They, I, I, I get it. I see it in their eyes. I see it with the language they use. They're like trying to kind of tiptoe around it and be like, okay, I don't understand. Help me out here. And they're asking for specific examples and I get it. That's not what Sharon was doing. Sharon was not tiptoeing around anything. She already came into that situation like, I don't got to defend my friend. So first and foremost, how dare you ask me? How dare you have the audacity? to ask me to explain anything. Who are you? And then on top of that, if you're going to say he's racist, give me some examples. And then because this is her friend and she's trying to say, she already came into the situation saying that she is not racist and her friend is not racist. Every single example Cheryl would have sat there and given, she would have been like, nope, that's not racist. Or how is that racist? Or X, Y, and Z does this and he's white and she's white and blah, blah, blah. And then when Cheryl broke it further down for her and said, it's the nuance, it's the meaning behind the words, it's the intention behind the words, Cheryl even further broke it down for her. And Sharon sat there like, nope, that ain't it. That's not it at all. And I understand why a lot of black people are like, and black people in BIPOC are like, nope, Google is your friend and the library is free. Actually, Google is free too. So I understand why a lot of black people have stepped away from trying to educate some white people on racism because it's a very frustrating experience that is often very invalidating, especially when you deal with people like Sharon Osborne. So it's been six days since this, since this situation happened and they're under investigation. No investigation needs to occur, okay? They're just waiting for this situation to die down. Sharon will be back on TV. She'll issue some apology 
And you know, it's funny, the entire show is on hiatus, like <laughs> pending the investigation. So it's like, we can't have this in their minds. It's like, we can't have the show without Sharon. We got to stop everyone's checks because this one white woman was out of pocket. Can you imagine? Can you imagine one person on your team acting a fool and then they send everybody home <laughs> like, and stop everybody's bag? Like what? I wish, I wish, but that's my story. That's my opinion about the situation. You may have heard about it. So if you came to a different opinion, that is very curious to me, but it's it never fails how two people can see the same thing, read the same situation, watch the same thing, and come away with it from two different perspectives. And that's because everyone has their own personal lived experience and they their own our own experiences are sometimes they have their own bias and we take our own experiences and we go into certain situations with our own bias and we all have bias within us because we're all humans and we all have our own lived experiences. However, I would be very curious to hear anyone who came away, who watched the situation and came away from it with a different perspective. You know what? At the same time, I'm like, I, I, I as, I'm, as much as I don't want to hear anyone who would defend Sharon's behavior, I know that there are people out there and I would be very interested to hear from those people, (laughs) but I would also be interested to hear from the people who are also watching and we're like, what the hell? Who also had the same reactions. So let me know. You can hit me up on anchor F hit me up on anchor FN, drop a voice note there, or you can reach out to me on Instagram at the Sasha Whitney and let's talk about it. And until next time, peace out. Don't pop off on your coworkers.